you miss Canty and Carlin? Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, streaming live on ESPN Plus and on Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys. You can always tweet to us at Amber W Sports at Courtney R. Cronin. You can also join the conversation on the CC call in line at one triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. So you hear it on the intro every time at the top of a new hour. Ninety nine problems, but a Chris ain't one. Well, we. We have had a Chris problem on today's show with just me and Courtney here, but we don't have one anymore. Courtney, our problems have all been solved now because Chris Canty, host of this show, Canty and Carlin, he stopped by to join us. What's up, Canty? What's up, ladies? How you doing? We are good. So we are also good in part because there has been major breaking news. We got a Woj bomb right before we went on air today. DeAndre Ayton, he has signed an offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers, $133 million max. It is the largest offer sheet in NBA history. Canty, what's your initial reaction? That's a whole lot of money. And I'm, I'm happy for DeAndre Ayton. He was patient in the free agent process. His name was brought up a lot once Kevin Durant requested a trade out of Brooklyn. But he finally gets to sign his max contract. And this is one of the things that Woj said. There was max money out there for DeAndre Ayton. It was a slow-moving marketplace, but ultimately he ended up getting that bag. And uh, he landed with the Indiana Pacers. Phoenix may not have believed what his fair market value is, but certainly the Indiana Pacers did. And I wonder like, what this is going to do now for the Phoenix Suns in their pursuit of Kevin Durant, Like, unless they match that offer sheet, which then would preclude them from trading DeAndre Ayton until next January. It seems like they've effectively put themselves out of the uh, Kevin Durant sweepstakes. How do you think this plays out, and do you feel like the Phoenix Suns have shut the championship window that they had on themselves by not going in on DeAndre Ayton and thus now not having their best tradable asset? Uh, you know, it's interesting to see whether or not Phoenix can pivot. Uh, and I, I'm curious to see what the market for Kevin Durant is right now because it doesn't seem like teams have the appetite to do business with the Brooklyn Nets and meet their asking price. So that's the other thing that we have to keep in mind when we think about the possible destinations for KD. Um, you know, earlier in the week, it was floated a four-team trade that would allow the Phoenix Suns to get KD, and they would give up a whole lot of picks, a whole lot of pick swaps. But DeAndre Ayton was a part of that equation. Now that we've removed that, I'm not quite sure whether or not Phoenix has enough assets to be able to go after Kevin Durant and land the guy that they feel like could be the missing piece to them winning the title. It's pretty remarkable that four years later, their former number one overall pick might be walking out the door for nothing in return for the Phoenix Suns. I want to move on to some other stuff, though, that we did get to on today's show, Canty. And again, Chris Canty, host of this show, Canty and Carlin, stopping by Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin, filling in for the guys. Lamar Jackson, uh, we know he's always in the news because of the pending contract issue there with the Ravens. But right now he's in the news because he got into a Twitter beef with Bernard Pollard. I assume you saw this, Canty. Canty Pollard going after Lamar on Twitter. What did you make of that beef between the current Raven and the former Raven? I thought it was as ugly, Amber, as Bernard Pollard twerking on hard knocks. And nobody <laughs> wanted to see that. Nobody wanted to see what Lamar Jackson had. I mean, uh, Bernard Pollard had to say about Lamar Jackson. But he it didn't stop him from going out there and putting it in the ether. My biggest thing with Bernard Pollard and, and, and what he did 
is the criticisms that he has for Lamar Jackson. They're criticisms that we've heard before Lamar Jackson even got into the NFL. And our very own Mina Khan's made a great point earlier this week in saying that, you know, that's pretty much the same, you know, stuff that's out there now in terms of how people knock Lamar Jackson about what he can't do on the football field. And I think it's time that we move past that because the guy wins 75% of the games he starts. I mean, that's ultimately the objective is to put your team in position to be able to win the game. He does that. I, I don't, I don't understand how somebody can make the argument that Lamar Jackson's not worth the money or how he's not a top-ten quarterback, yet we're still talking about that, and we're in year five of this guy's career. And, yeah, he's been to the playoffs, what, three uh, of the four years that he's been a full-time starter in the National Football League, and the one year he didn't get to the playoffs. His team was in it up until week 18, and, oh, by the way, he missed five games in that season. I, I just don't understand how we criticize Lamar Jackson and we use the same old tired narrative in order to do it. Yes, what he does is different. He's unique. It's unconventional. But it doesn't mean that it's not effective. And, I, and I'm tired of everybody saying that he can't get it done, which is why I might have to be the biggest Lamar Jackson fan in 2022 of anybody that's out there just because I'm tired of people saying that he can't win doing it his way. What's interesting in Bernard Pollard's logic is that he called him a top 10 player, not a top 10 QB, but also said that he deserved to get paid. So a lot of that logic doesn't seem to line up if you're a top 10 player, but not a top 10 quarterback. Anyways, I digress here. Um, He's top five, though, on your quarterback list, which I know that you were talking about earlier on Greeny. Five is Lamar Jackson, four, Russell Wilson, three, Josh Allen, two, Dak Prescott, number one, Aaron Rodgers. This is your quarterback list, the top five QBs that need to win a Super Bowl. Why would that pressure be on Lamar Jackson uh, at number five for you? Well, I think it's because of what everybody is saying. You know, conventional wisdom says that you can't win with a quarterback that doesn't consistently win from the pocket. And we know that that hasn't been one of the strong suits for Lamar Jackson. And so that's the one thing that I would say – you know, pushes him as being one of those quarterbacks that needs to win a Super Bowl just to prove that in today's NFL, this is a way that you can get it done. You know, I get I get why people said that, you know, a couple of decades ago because you didn't have the quarterback protections in place, whether it's in the pocket or whether outside the pocket. But now, because of the way that the game is played and it being so, you know, you know passing-oriented, space-oriented and, you know, creating a lot of opportunities for quarterbacks to use their legs as a weapon against opposing defenses. I, I just, I, I, I think that Lamar Jackson can win playing football, playing his style, and I, I think that that's one of the things that he's going to have to go out there and prove. That's why I think there's some pressure. Also, ladies, there's the matter of the contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether or not he gets paid before training camp and remains to be seen. If he doesn't, you know, we could be talking about you know a first round draft pick for the Ravens going on a Super Bowl run, and then getting that bag and becoming the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Stop me if you've heard that one before. So there's obviously some guys on this list that don't have much familiarity with a Super Bowl. There's some who do. I understand why you have Aaron Rodgers at the top of this list, even though he's won one. I was surprised, though, that Russell Wilson is on this list. Does he not get any leeway here in Denver? No, I mean, Russell Wilson was the one the last few off-seasons that has been posturing about getting out of Seattle and wanting more control over how things get done within the organization. Well, now he's got his wish. And the other thing that puts Russell Wilson in the crosshairs in terms of, you know, quarterbacks that need to get to the Super Bowl is Russell Wilson wants to get paid again. 
You know, he's 33 years old. This is probably his last bite at the apple. In order to get one of those huge paydays, like what we're seeing from Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, you got to go out there and do some high-level winning. And this is his opportunity to make a first impression on the brand-new ownership group that's out there in Denver. They're going to let this season play out before they think about doing a contract extension. Russell Wilson absolutely needs to get to the Super Bowl in order to get paid because that's something that he wants. And he's got to validate his position in wanting to get out of Seattle and Pete Carroll and John Snyder being the thing that's held him back the last several years. If you miss Chris Canty, you can check him out on Greeny this week, 10 a.m. to noon. He will be hosting it again tomorrow alongside Carlin. Chris Canty, host of this show, Canty and Carlin. Thanks for stopping by, Chris. All right, ladies. Keep doing the wonderful work. Appreciate you guys holding it down. Coming up next, what does Lamar Jackson have to do to quiet his doubters? You just heard it there. He is, in fact, still doubted, maybe with the tired, old, same things that we've been saying about him since college. We will get into that. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys. You can follow us on Twitter at Amber W Sports at Courtney R. Cronin. So we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but I want to get back into this situation between Lamar Jackson and Bernard Pollard because it does, I think, speak to a bigger issue here, Courtney, about Lamar Jackson, for whatever reason, just not getting the respect that he probably deserves. And now it's coming from a guy who used to play for the Baltimore Ravens, not a teammate of Lamar, but nevertheless, a guy who played for the same organization as Lamar. Here was Bernard Pollard, former NFL safety, on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Matt earlier has he gotten better since day one of being there yes is he an inconsistent football player at at the quarterback position yes I truly believe he's a top 10 talent but not a top 10 quarterback I do agree he's gotten better but when it's all said and done I do not believe he's a consistent quarterback that's going to be able to take this team to the Super Bowl Woo! so a top 10 talent not a top 10 quarterback uh 
according to Bernard Pollard, about Lamar Jackson. We know that ESPN put out their top 10 quarterbacks list just a few days ago, Courtney. Lamar Jackson was also not on that list. So there's a lot of people. There was a lot of voters that were compiled together in order to create that list. It was executives. It was scouts. Over half of them did not have Lamar Jackson on their top 10 quarterbacks list. I know you and I would have. We talked about it on air a couple days ago. We thought it was pretty absurd, but now you're hearing it from Pollard. Does it strike you differently when it's coming from a guy who used to play in the NFL. Well, I've been like trying to rack my brain around the top 10 player, but not a top 10 quarterback. So like if you're saying there's like you you basically say he was outside of the top 10 and there's 10 other quarterbacks that would be in the top 10 player list. I don't know. It just I think he's make, saying talent. I, I don't I'm get it. Have, the logic itself is dumb. It doesn't make any to sense follow. to me. But the one thing that I think he said that got under Lamar Jackson's skin was, you know, no wide receivers want to come play with him. And, you know, we know what we know about Marquise Hollywood Brown wanting out of Baltimore and trying to, to get a fresh start somewhere else. Like, To his credit, he came onto Twitter and defended Lamar Jackson, basically quote-tweeting someone who made a point that this is a run-first offense. And for a receiver, like, that's not exactly an environment most times that lets you flourish. Like, I I covered the Minnesota Vikings for five seasons, and that was Stephon Diggs' biggest gripe on top of the fact, you know, that he didn't necessarily have as much belief in in the quarterback the way that Marquise Brown very clearly feels about Lamar Jackson. But... Like, this is the same old rhetoric that we've heard around Lamar since the time he was drafted. Don't you remember there were all these, like, pundits that were coming out in 2018 and all these anonymous scouts and league executives saying, well, maybe he should switch his position to running back or to, to wide receiver, rather, because a lot of people perceived him to be a running back playing quarterback very clearly that has not panned out to be the case. We were talking with Chris Canty a couple moments ago. This is somebody who has delivered, and when he has not played because of injury and other circumstances, I know he missed a couple games due to COVID, his team has suffered in his absence. So when you talk about the MVP of the team, 100% it's Lamar Jackson. And, oh, by the way, he already has an MVP of the league to his name, which he earned in 2019. He set the rush for you know 12, over 1,200 yards in 2019. That set a record for quarterbacks uh, in terms of rushing that season. Over 1,000 yards in 2020. And the thing that like strikes me about that is that Yes, the rushing numbers are there, and there's going to be people who like want the traditional pocket passer and don't like unicorns and don't believe that players like Lamar Jackson can win. But he threw 36 touchdowns and six interceptions in 2019, that MVP season, 26 touchdowns and nine interceptions in 2020. Yes, I know. Last year was a really bad year for him. He had like a 51 QBR, his lowest QBR uh, as a starting quarterback in the NFL, 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions in 12 games. He had a rough end of the year, but let's not forget, he started out as an MVP candidate last year. Amber, you remember that two-overtime game against the Indianapolis Colts where he scored 19 points on his own? Like, he, he at that moment, because I do our MVP file for ESPN.com, he shattered a lot of the tropes and narratives around him weeks one through five of the season. 
The problem was he, A, didn't get the contributions from his receivers, whether it was Hollywood Brown, Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins, so on and so forth, the second half of the season. And then he was in and out of the lineup, you know, right around those times where they played Cleveland um, in, uh, you know, two two of like the three-week stretch. Like, he got hurt. So... He missed the last four games of the season, and you saw what happened to the Baltimore Ravens. Their playoff chances went out the window. So what does he need to prove this year? He needs to go out there and win, and then everybody else will be fi- will finally have a reason to not talk about him in the sense where we're saying, well, he's not this or he's not that. Win your way. Win in the unconventional way because you have a coach that supports you in John Harbaugh, who I remember that moment, don't you, when they're on the sideline and he, you can see them like talking. He's like, you want to go for it on fourth down? And Lamar's like, absolutely. I'm sure he probably said something uh, a little bit more aggressive than that, but this is a quarterback you can win with in the NFL in a very hard division like the AFC North, and I'm just ready for people to finally give Lamar Jackson his roses, and the only way that you do that is by paying him what he what he's what he's due, and the fact is, he's due, he's due Deshaun Watson money. Deshaun Watson doesn't have an MVP, let alone an all-pro to his name, Amber. Lamar Jackson has two of those. The reality is, though, most people think Deshaun Watson's the better quarterback, right? And mm-hmm. it remains to be seen. We haven't seen Deshaun Watson play football in a long time, but the Browns did pony up the largest contract in NFL history because there is this idea that the last time we saw Deshaun Watson play football, he was a top five quarterback. And people, for whatever reason, have had a hard time putting Lamar Jackson in a top 10 conversation. Nevertheless, a top five conversation. You're absolutely right, though. He's got an MVP to his name. That didn't quiet the conversation. Like you said, we've been having this conversation about Lamar Quite literally since he was in college, but certainly since he was drafted. And it's always, oh, but does he have an arm? Can he actually throw the football? Is it just what he does with his legs? And it seems like no matter what he does, frankly, that conversation hasn't completely died down. I do think this idea, though, that receivers don't want to play with him, like that's kind of a slightly new angle to the conversation and is certainly time timely, Courtney, because that is the weakness of this Baltimore Ravens team. But you're right. Winning would cure all of this. I don't even think getting paid cures this, frankly, because even Bernard Pollard said, well, you have to pay the man, even though he considers him not a top 10 quarterback, a top 10 talent, whatever that means. He still thinks that they should pony up the money and pay him. Everyone knows that the Ravens are going to end up having to pay their guy with the importance of that position. I don't even think that quiets this conversation. I think the thing that quiets this conversation is maybe if Lamar Jackson wins a Super Bowl and then ask Aaron Rodgers, that might not even quiet the conversation uh, for too, too long because people want, once you win one, people want you to win another one. Coming up next, ESPN Radio Two Days are in full swing. Earlier in the show, if you missed it, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. We broke down the Indianapolis Colts. Coming up, it is the New Orleans Saints on the clock. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You can't miss Canty and Carlin, pound for pound, the biggest show on ESPN radio. So there you heard it. We are in the midst of ESPN Radio NFL two-a-days here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. A little bit earlier in the show, we broke down the Indianapolis Colts for you. If you missed that, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. Now, Courtney, it is time to do a little SWAT, as we like to call it, around here with the New Orleans Saints. That is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So let's start with your New Orleans Saints strength. I think that receiving core is going to be terrific this year. And I remember when the draft happened and Mickey Loomis was like trading away like a crazy guy. Um, They took, it was before the draft, they took like the number 98 pick, number 101, 120, and a 2023 first rounder and 2024 second rounder. Basically all of those things amounted in Chris Olave like the number one receiver, arguably, in the draft. I think that that is a huge addition to them for their receiving core, along with Jarvis Landry. Michael Thomas is back this year. Like, you may have a new quarterback uh, on the roster, a new quarterback at the position, you know, full-time now with Jameis Winston. We know they gave him the extension this offseason, and apparently he is that guy for them in New Orleans. And you have a new offensive coordinator because Sean Payton is gone. So, I mean, Dennis Allen, defensive guy, takes over, so there's going to be new voices in Jameis Winston's headset this year, but I think the receiving core will certainly help bail him out of any sort of trouble. He may find himself in any sort of duress he may find himself in under center. You mentioned the defensive guy taking it over there, and Dennis Allen, of course, their D coordinator since 2015, now the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And so their defense is actually my strength, both in terms of the defensive line and in terms of the secondary. I mean, it should really be a defense worth noting this season. They lost Marcus Williams. Like, that's a little bit of a blow, but then they immediately pivot. They immediately go to replacing him with Marcus May, and then they bring in Matthew uh, on the back end. Plus, again, that D line. I mean, I absolutely think that this D defense is going to be a force this season for the New Orleans Saints. Let's move on to your weakness, Courtney. What's your weakness for the Saints team? Well, this team saw Teron Armstead sign with the Miami Dolphins in free agency. They they couldn't re-sign him. They, they didn't re-sign him, and so he leaves. So they draft his replacement in Trevor Penning, who is a first-round draft pick and probably will be or could be their franchise left tackle of the future. But I think that there are going to be some growing pains associated with having having a rookie left tackle in 2022. So for me, this is probably one of the bigger weaknesses. Even though this player was very talented coming out of college, I think that this stuff takes time for the development process of knowing what it's going to be what it's going to be like this year to go against NFL pass rushers. It's a lot different than college and, you know, it takes time when you are protecting a quarterback's blind side to learn how to do that. 
My weakness is the same as yours. It is this O-line. And I think that losing Armstead is going to be a huge loss. I hope it is for my Miami Dolphins, frankly. But we aren't far removed from the Saints having one of the very best O-lines in the entire NFL. And it has been trending the wrong direction of late. And I think it will continue to trend the wrong direction this season. There might be some growing pains there. And and a, a huge weakness when you also consider the fact that Jameis Winston, we saw how catastrophic it can be there if you're not protecting your quarterback when he was on such a good pace at the beginning of the season before that injury. So that is my weakness. What is your opportunity for this New Orleans Saints team? Opportunity for me is Alvin Kamara. Like you can use him in so many different ways in our running back list that just came out the other day on ESPN.com. I believe he was listed at number five because you can line him up across formations. You can put him in the backfield. You can put him in the slot. Like the guy is so versatile. So for this offense in being able to kind of keep its foot on the gas, Kamara is the guy that you're going to have to run a lot of things through. Like, it it is exciting, like, you know, the whole theory of, like, you got one ball, how are you going to spread it around to so many different playmakers? When they have this many really good receivers, what is the touches distribution going to look like? How much of, what percentage of the offense is going to run through Kamara? So, I think it's an opportunity for them to distribute the ball, you know, a lot of different places, but he's going to be a very big focal point, if not the focal point of this offense. So an opportunity for them to be another high-octane attack. Yeah, I will make this opportunity the guy who relied heavily on Alvin Kamara when you were talking about the six healthy starts that Jameis Winston did have. And I think that this season ends up being a big opportunity for Jameis because we know how things went in Tampa for Jameis. We know he's a quarterback that can score a whole lot of touchdowns, but also can be really, really sloppy with the football. It looks like a different story in those healthy starts for the New Orleans Saints. It was just a very incomplete story because of the catastrophic injury there that cost him the rest of the season. We didn't get to see more from him, Courtney. So I do think Jameis Winston has a real opportunity here to show us that he can actually be a great quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over as much uh, in a in a really good offense. What is your biggest threat to this team? Well, the Saints, like everyone else, were expecting that Tom Brady was going to retire this past mm-hmm. offseason and that there might be a shift in terms of the balance of power in the NFC South. Newsflash, that's not happening. Tom Brady unretired after 40 days. He is still the thorn in the side of every division opponent, Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, and the New Orleans Saints. So I think that as long as they're still in, they're still in your division and he's still the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's going to be tough. Now, we've seen these teams split in previous years when Tom Brady has been the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And like you heard Dan Orlovsky say on our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats ESPN two-a-days promo that the Saints got better, a lot better this offseason in a number of different areas. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in spite of having Tom Brady back, and yes, there were other guys, it was kind of this domino effect it created that ended up signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or re-signing. I actually think that they might have a little bit of the edge just in terms of the moves that they made this offseason. And I'm curious to see uh, how much of a threat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers still are for the New Orleans Saints. I think they will be. But I also think that the Saints might have leveled the playing field in terms of like the skill positions and certainly what they did on the defense. 
I've been surprised how high everybody is on the Saints this season. It is a very talented roster, but there are question marks, Courtney. And frankly, Sean Payton, the post-Sean Payton era, Sean Payton's Mm. retirement, like that could potentially be a threat to the success of this New Orleans Saints team, right? I understand Dennis Allen. I mentioned the coordinator, D coordinator there since 2015. I mean, he's been with the Saints in large part on and off since 2006. So it's not like somebody new coming in from the outside, but still, we don't exactly know what it's going to look like or how it's going to pan out. We know the greatness of Sean Payton. We trusted the greatness of Sean Payton. So I do think that that's a threat. Whenever you're entering an entirely new era with an entirely new staff there and then also a quarterback that, yes, looked great in six games, but he has still yet to prove himself really through and through in the National Football League either in Jameis Winston, then there are legitimate threats potentially to the success of this talented roster otherwise. Coming up next, Courtney, what should we expect in the post-Sean Payton era in New Orleans? We'll get into that. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Courtney, remember the whole beef that went down between Nick Saban and, well, several folks, but Nick Saban and Deion Sanders. Remember when Nick Saban was going on the rants about name, image, and likeness? He threw Deion Sanders and Jackson State into the mix. And what was allegedly happening there with the million-dollar deal that's been disputed, whether that was actually a thing for one of their recruits in terms of NIL, Deion Sanders went back at Nick Saban. It became a whole thing. Seems like... These two have made up. And of course, Courtney, they've made up in the name of money because they're appearing in commercials together once again, and they're all hamming it up in front of the cameras. They're laughing for the commercials. Are you surprised to see these two reunited? No, because money talks, and they both have made a lot of it throughout their respective careers. And I remember the day that that whole thing popped off with, you know, Deion Sanders responding to what Nick Saban said at that, like, booster event in Birmingham, like promoting the world games, we were on radio and I was like, wow, I'm going to be really sad when I don't see these two on TV anymore, joking and laughing, doing commercials. And apparently they're back on the set of a commercial shoot somewhere, uh, getting ready to to release another funny one there. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. I wonder if they're going to try to like have any play on what's, what happened between like all the things that Nick Saban said during that meeting about you know Texas A and M buying their entire recruiting class, saying Jackson State play, paid I, I believe it was Travis Hunter a million dollars to come there, and Deion Sanders' response. I feel like they could really have some fun with this if Deion Sanders and Nick Saban are secure enough in themselves to know like, hey, yeah, we had a little bit of beef. Like let's let's capitalize on it now. Let's let's cash in on this because it's funny. Um, and it would be really great to see that not get buried or you know them to like pretend that that thing did not exist from May. Yeah, I mean, these two guys had already been in commercials with one another before the alleged beef, right? And now they're appearing again in commercials, and I'm sure it does come down to money. You can let bygones be bygones. The accusation about Travis Hunter that that Jackson State used a million bucks to flip him from Florida State in order to go to Jackson State, and then that's been denied. Deion Sanders vehemently denied those comments from Nick Saban. He kind of walked back those comments as well. And then Deion Sanders goes ahead and tweets out, you know, two goats, no beef. So that's him teasing this upcoming commercial, shows them all hamming it up, laughing together. There's emojis in this tweet. So Deion Sanders is fully leaning into this with Nick Saban and fully leaning into the fact that they're back making money together. And like you said, Courtney, 
money solves all problems, or at least most of them. Maybe not all of them, but it certainly solves this beef when it comes to college football. We are in the midst of ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys. A little bit earlier in the show, we broke down the Indianapolis Colts for you. If you missed that, check out the Canty and Carlin podcast on the ESPN app. Then we broke down the New Orleans Saints, or at least me and Courtney did. But let's bring in some expert help for that conversation. Gus Kattengill, host of the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans, 100.3 FM, joins us. And Gus, when Courtney and I were having the conversation about the Saints, I said that I was a little surprised how high everyone is on the Saints, just from the fact that some people have them in the Super Bowl. They're just so sure about this team. And I did think this team still has some questions, obviously, uh, in, in terms of a new coach at the helm, even though he's been there for a while as the D coordinator. But then also, mm-hmm. in terms of the quarterback, do you feel like Jameis is proven yet? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. First of all, thanks for having me. And the two topics that you just brought up, Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston, the two reasons that actually it's funny here in New Orleans, we feel are what's keeping people from thinking the Saints may be a pretty good football team. And what's interesting about Jameis is I keep using the analogy of marriage on my talk show, guys, because, like, you know, I I make 10 years coming up on the 21st. And literally Tuesday, my wife brought up something I did seven years ago. I'm like, why why am I still paying for something that I did seven years ago? And I sort of feel that a lot of that is that 30 interception season for Jameis Winston, right? And what I feel doesn't get brought up enough, perhaps, and mind you, we made fun of Jameis when he was with the Bucs here in New Orleans, right? We thought we could beat them every time because they had him. But here's the thing. He had three coaches, three offensive coordinators in those five years. And in that season of 30 interceptions, he had 33 touchdowns. He also threw for 5,000 yards. There's only nine quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that have done it. We, we saw it. One of them here, Drew Brees, he did it five times. But Jameis Winston threw for 5,000 yards. So, look, I get he threw picks. And I understand there's questions for that. But you have to have some talent level and ability to be able to throw for 5,000 yards and and at least find the right color jersey 30-plus times like you did that season. So I think stability is key. Third season of at least this same offense. And it's night and day what the Saints organization is compared to the organization they was in Tampa. There is stability. You brought up Dennis Allen. The newest coaches on the staff, or people that maybe even have ties to New Orleans, like Doug Marone of the offensive line. Everyone else essentially is on the same staff that has been here since Jameis has gotten here, so I think that may help him this year. Hey, Gus, I'm curious about Michael Thomas, because we didn't see him last year. He had the ankle injury. He still has not been cleared to return to the field, but this is a team that drafted Chris Olave and took a lot of capital to do so. So when Michael Thomas is cleared to play, when he's back on the field, this could be one of the most lethal receiving core cores in the NFL. But I'm wondering, will he be less of a focal point in this offense, given the injury history where he's at in his career with the addition of Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave? I think the beauty is that he doesn't have to immediately come back and be the guy. You know, look, I'm not being ugly. I'm just, Telling you how it was. Last year, the Saints played with a flag football receiving court. I actually think it's one of the greatest criticisms Sean Payton will have in his tenure here. He completely overestimated what he had at receiver. So Alvin Kamara was more important. Look, 
We played drinking games on our show when the Saints got first downs. The Saints getting first downs and field goals were reasons to celebrate. We're, we're used to 5,000-yard passing seasons from Drew Brees, so it was, it was a little different. Um, but it's been substantially upgraded. So I think having a guy like Chris Olave, and again, it's been brief that we've been able to see, but the people that cover the draft, covered him at Ohio State, he looks like a ready-made receiver for the NFL. You have a five-time Pro Bowl receiver in Landry. So if it takes him a bit to kind of get back to half of what Michael Thomas was when we last saw him, which was a record setter, um, you're substantially upgraded it already. So I legitimately think you can be – cautious with them or take your time but it is the number one question two weeks that we're going to be waiting for right that wednesday july 27th is he practicing how long until he gets on the field but having olave having landry at least buy you some time now camara gets suspended that's that's a little different Gus Cattengill, host of the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans, joining us. So, Gus, your wife doesn't forget what you did seven years ago. I can relate <laughs> as a wife. Uh, we don't forget mm-hmm. what Jameis Winston did in terms of uh, interceptions. That doesn't seem to concern you. What does concern you about this New Orleans Saints team if I make you choose something? I, I think when I, when I look at what's concerning or, or the question mark, obviously is how fast certain things happen. And what I mean by that is – like I mentioned, Michael Thomas, the quicker he gets on the field, the better it's going to be for everybody. Look, there is a massive neon sign at tight end. It was terrible last year. They moved Taysom Hill. That's right. The guy that started at quarterback for the Saints and was battling Jameis last year. Dennis Allen seems to think he's the tight end. Look, I, and I've said with him, I'm not looking for him to be Travis Kelsey. I don't think they're looking for him to be Tony Gonzalez. Think Debo Samuel, think how Atlanta uses their guy as well, where, you know, just get him the ball, get him one-on-one with a linebacker or a smaller DB, and maybe he can run over somebody for five yards on third and four. That's what you may see. But look, they don't have an established tight end. That's a question mark. Who's the starting left tackle? They drafted Trevor Penning. Looks good. He's a rookie. That said, the Saints have started rookies the last several seasons, whether it's at center, right guard with Ruiz, McCoy when he was at center, even, you know, Ryan Ramchek started as a rookie. Bringing in Doug Marone, I think, is a huge addition. He was the offensive line coach here. Offensive coordinator has head coaching experience. He's going to help Pete Carmichael, now the offensive coordinator, who's also been here since Sean's been here. So, again, back to the stability thing, but th- those are question marks, and I don't know who the starting right defensive end right now is, because Marcus Davenport likely won't be ready for training camp. That's been his issue since he's been drafted. And Peyton Turner, last year's first-round pick, he didn't show up for OTA and um, in camp because of injury. He says he should be ready. So those are my concerns. Dan. Oh, by the way, the Saints have two new starting safeties. Since Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins retired, Williams is now a Raven. And now you have two new safeties in the Honey Badger and Marcus May coming off of Achilles. So there is concern. There's concern. There are some concerns. Not a ton, though. You do have a very talented <laughs> roster on this New Orleans Saints team. Gus Cattengill, host of the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Gus, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Take care, guys.
Are you one, Courtney, who really believes in the New Orleans Saints this upcoming season? Am I wrong for still feeling like this team has some question marks? No, I, I think you're. I think you're right for having a little bit of pause. I like some of the moves that they made in free agency and during the draft. Like I love Jarvis Landry going back to New Orleans. I really like Chris Olave. He was probably my favorite receiver coming out of the draft. Can they put all these pieces together? Like, let's not forget, they still have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterbacked by Tom Brady in their division. Yes, you keep reminding us of that. I don't know if that's ever, ever, frankly, going to end. Who knows? Maybe he'll go to another team and retire when he's 307 years old. (laughs) Coming up next, DeAndre Ayton looks like he's possibly on his way to another team. We'll get into this offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Chris Canty and Chris Carlin are Canty and Carlin. Don't miss them weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.